Are you caring for someone struggling with their mental health? Today, we're not gonna lie. Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of NGL. Today, we are here on our two-part series in light of World Mental Health Day. In our previous episode, we heard from Zheng Kai and Ashley about their experiences living with anxiety and depression. And today, we want to tackle this topic from a different angle. We actually want to hear from people who are caregivers of those who struggle with mental health, either because um, of our profession or we walk through with some of our friends who are struggling in these areas. And today, we're really excited to feature these stories and also give a platform for these voices to be heard. Um, just a disclaimer, that we know that today's stories are not going to be able to cover every single person's experience but we hope that through featuring some of these stories some of you would also feel hurt if you're in this position and for some others of you who are listening to this who are struggling a little bit with your mental health we hope that through listening to some of these stories you would really really know that the friends who journey with you and walk through with you are people who commit to you are people who love you so deeply and so here's also a trigger warning that if you are in a place where it's not helpful for you to be listening to um, the inner thoughts of people who struggle with mental health, struggle with anxiety, depression, please feel free to just pause this episode and head over to something else on our channel and come back to this again when you're in a better hit space to listen to it. So I want to introduce our speakers for today. I'm really excited. We have Jolie. Jolie is a medical social worker. She has so much experience to share with us from her years of being in the field. And this is Buanhua. She's my longtime friend. And Buanhua is here to also share her experience because I think Buan has been walking through um, with some friends in her life who struggle with um, mental health. La. So maybe you guys can just look to our audience and like give them a wave, let them hear your voice so they know who you are. Oh. Hi, I'm Jolie. Hello, I'm Buanhua. Yeah, so today we really, really want to hear their stories. And I think we shall start with Buan. Like what is your story with caregiving? I have this friend who I have journeyed with for the past five years probably in the first two three years it was very intense and mm. particularly the first six months what happened then was that because I think she was at a place where she was um, trying to make sense of what is going on in her life uh, like is it just any other normal struggles or is this uh, something more is this like mental health related and then for myself while well, I've heard of um, mental health struggles before it has always been a concept to me I've never really journeyed with anyone um, up close uh, in this area mm. so she was new she was trying to figure out what was going on I was also new I was trying to figure out what was going on and at the same time trying to figure out how to help her so we were just all trying to figure out together and um, that was where we were at so I remember also then every week we would meet at least like one or two times. Mm. Yeah, either one-on-one -on -one or because we have certain common circle of friends and then uh, we we would hang out together and what would happen is that after we hang out, there might be certain people who would be a trigger to her or certain, certain things or conversation and then she would text me while we were in a, like, you know, with the, everyone else. Or I would be able to notice that she is like uh, fidgety, she is mm. like, anxious and not okay and after that we would have to separate ourselves from the group and then we like you know just find a place where there's nobody and um let her calm down i think her anxiety would um how it would look like is that she would when it's triggered then she would start to have difficulty breathing and then she would um like keep fidgeting and uh and whatnot i think at that moment uh, or in those moments 
I think a lot of I think anxiousness also watching her anxious and then a lot of uncertainty or like just fear or a lot of worry like what should I do is this is this uh common is this mm. like is this something more or is it just it will take a while to cool down so a bit lost also yeah like being lost uh or maybe perhaps sometimes like when she's in a when she's triggered or she's in a very bad place like she would wake up and um text me and say that how she she feels like uh, there's not much that she wants to do today and she find it hard to get out of bed. She don't want to leave the house. She don't want to leave the room. Um, and so then all her spiraling uh, and all her thoughts and emotions. And the more I, we, the more um, comfortable she got with me, the more she trusted me, the more unfiltered uh, are the things that she shared with me. And so I think as I, uh, when I meet her, I remember that there were, not just a few, but multiple times when I, after I meet her, I will go back feeling a sense of um, heaviness and just like my brain is oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Like my brain and my heart is oversaturated because it's like I hear so much information about her thoughts mm-hmm. and emotions. And at the same time, they come from a place of like uh, helplessness, very dark, um, yeah, and very negative. So uh, I think... Often I remember by the time I reach home and I go back, it's like maybe 10 plus 11 and I just want to like shut off. Yeah, I just wanted to like shut off um, and not think about things and then I would just like scroll on my phone and like watch um, lighthearted videos to just mm. keep my mind off uh, some of this. Yeah, so I think genuinely there is a, there was an increasing sense of heaviness and yeah, like heaviness not just for her but also as I get to hear her struggles and everything it's almost like her struggles now I share in them because um, in the things that she cannot uh, reconcile or have answers to it also becomes my questions on how long will this last how um, uh, is it possible to like get better or find ways to manage it Um, Mm. yeah what does like progress look like uh and also, yeah, I think that was like some of the things that uh, happened. Mm. I think you articulated some of the very real thoughts that goes through a caregiver's head beyond just trying to, I guess, stabilize the situation. Also, not show the person that you're freaking out with them. Actually, inside it can really be like a mess. Uh. Yeah, I I really identify with that. I think my experience. Um, I I've walked through a number of people who struggle with. Um, mental health, mostly depression. I think because of my uh, own experience, which I shared in the previous episode, um, I do generally have a bit of a soft spot la, for people who are going through a very, very difficult time emotionally and I do want to relate to them. Um, so there was this one particular friend that I walked through and I think this is one of the more intense um, cases where she was going through a period of time where she fell back into depression. She used to have it before, but then after a long period of time, it was okay. But then um, she fell back into a period of depression and it was quite intense. So she had to get medicine and all that kind of thing, right? But because she took um, the medication, she was suffering some of the side effects. And one of the side effects of antidepressant, ironically, is suicide ideation. Mm-hmm. So I think because you go through a period of time where it kind of 
Okay, honestly, I, I'm so bad with the technical, so I hope I'm not butchering this. But I think when you take the antidepressants, you go through a period of time where your body is kind of adjusting, right? And so in, in that hormonal imbalance, like um, you experience some side effects. La. For her, she experienced suicide ideation. So that was just like a terrible recipe. Like this person is already naturally struggling with some depressive feelings and thoughts, right? Mm. Plus now because of the medication, it brings about thoughts of suicide. Number one, I was so angry because I'm like, this is such a ridiculous combo. How come the medicine is like that? But also then, I think it put me in a place where I was constantly very, very worried about her. And because I know how she's like as a person, she's not a person to say things that she doesn't mean. And she's also not irresponsible in the sense where she just kind of like want to test water and see how you respond. She's not. So actually as a friend, she's very, very trustworthy. Like I know that she only says things that she means and... She's quite honest as a person. So in that period of time when she was struggling, right, then she would really share quite honestly with me that she has these thoughts of like taking her life to kind of just end the pain because it is so much more difficult mm -hmm. to be in a prolonged period where she feels so low. Mm -hmm. And for her to even say that, right, I know it must have gotten quite bad because she's not the kind to raise it mm -hmm. if it's not a very, very real threat. So... I think in some sense that was her seeking help, right? But also mm. within her, there was that that internal battle where there is a real desire to do something, um, but also trying to fight it and then seeking help and letting some people in. So she told me and a few other friends, right? And like that whole period of time, like, wow, I think I was just living in a constant state of worry and anxiety. Every time I text her and she doesn't reply me immediately, right? I feel scared. Like, I wonder whether something has happened. I think there was one day where it got very, very bad and then she kind of texted us to say it's, it's especially bad today. And after that, she went offline. Like, she just was not contactable, right? And a few of us, we rushed down to um, her house. We tried to locate her. We didn't know whether she was in the house, whether she was around the area, what she was doing, right? Mm. And eventually, we found her nearby, like at a, at a space near her house. La. And like when I saw her, because she was already in that state, I didn't want to break down mm -hmm. in front of her, even though I was already like panicking and freaking out and like going a bit crazy on the inside. But like when I saw her then, I just sat down, we talked to her and like we tried to make sure she was okay. By then, I think she calmed down a little bit. So she went home and she took a nap and all, right? And then the few of us were like, okay, let's go home. It was clearly very, very like mm -hmm. tense and low. La. Then my husband came to pick me up. And the minute I got into the car, right, I just burst out crying. Like, I cried the entire way home. Because I think there was just so much, like, pent-up emotion from mm. when I received the text to, like, that whole searching for her and then mm. eventually finding her, being able to see her in front of me, like, hold her and know that she's okay. Then after she go home, also still don't even really know whether she's fully okay. So I think that whole period of time, right, was just very, very, like, anxiety-inducing. But I also cannot tell her, because mm. I know that she's not doing it to get something out of me. Mm -hmm. She's not trying to get attention or just get a certain response out of me. I know that that is a sincere cry for help. So like while I was feeling all these things, like I couldn't really tell her also because I didn't want her to feel bad for being in that state. So I think that whole period of time was quite confusing to mm -hmm. navigate because there is a there was a desire for her to be well, for her to be okay. But at the same time, it came with a, a very, very intense fear that something might really happen. Um, she was also a friend that I saw quite regularly. La. So um, I think past that that incident, um, quite similar to what Buan said, la. like even when we're out in a group, actually my eye is kind of like always on her, wondering whether she's okay, wondering whether she is actually like 
in a group but isolating herself already emotionally I know that there were many times where even when we were out with a group like actually I would just go and stand next to her and walk with her or sit somewhere separately with her just to make sure she's not overwhelmed by too much interaction um, around her um, funnily enough there was also a period of time where like I was going through like something um, in, in my mental health because I think just all this combined with um, joining with some other people, right? Like, it just was a very, very bad space la, for me to be in. So there was one day I remember we were sitting next to each other, right? Then we both crying. <laughs> After a while, we just started laughing. We were like, oh my gosh, why are we so pathetic? Ah? We just like sit together and cry. Then I told her, your fault, la, you made me cry. Then she looked at me, she said, your fault, la, you cry. Then she told me, right, because we've known each other for a long time. She said like, wow, in all the years I've known you, ah, I think this year I see you cry the most ah, out of everything combined. Then that was the moment I was like, oh, my life is so sad. I'm in such a bad space. But thank you for um still being here and crying with me so that we're okay. So I think that was just like one of the more intense times la, where I really walked through somebody who was in a very, very, very bad space mentally. I think some of the emotions that you mentioned are really very real. Um, and then a lot of times, um, the, the fear is very, very real. So I, I mean, in the course of my work over the last couple of years, uh, I, I have also lost people to suicide can be my patients, it can also be uh, friends. I, I have both sides. La. Yeah, I think that was a year I lost. I, I, the same year I lost about like maybe four or five people, what? friends and patients combined. Um, that, 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 was, that was tough on, on, on me mm. as well. When I lost someone, I, 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 I always ended up like crying also. Yeah, because you know it's 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 a life and mm. a life is so valuable, right? As I mature in the my in the course of my work, then um I, I heard about this term that was coined by this um English pediatrician and psychoanalyst. He 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 talked about um good enough mothers. Yeah. And then when I thought and when when I heard it I was like, eh, uh actually in for caregivers it's also about just being good enough caregivers. Yeah, because there is a limitation to how much we can do to support. So we have to also sometimes remind ourselves that, you know, just being good enough. Good enough meaning um, when this person needs support, I support. When this person needs me to be responsive, I be responsive. When this person needs some space of their own, I give them space. You know, we just do what we can for this person. Uh, according to what this person probably would appreciate us for. And beyond that, we have to tell ourselves that, you know, um, that's probably our limit already. A lot of things, ultimately, it's every individual's um, choice to make. And we can't force our what we think is good for this person on, on that person because the person might feel even more pressured, might feel even more stressed over over what we are enforcing on them. So we, we still value like, you know, um, letting let, letting people have their own self-determination. Well, honestly, that is quite difficult to register. Um, it's like, I think conceptually, like in theory, you can understand, but then when you are really in a situation where you are helping someone and there's all these things happening, um, I think just purely because of the care and the concern and just even feeling responsible at that moment is quite hard to, yeah, it's quite hard to draw that uh, line. I mean, I, I can only draw on personal experience. Um, it might not be everybody's experience, but I think from the, from the start when I was a, a young worker, when I lost someone, um, actually I remember this, this, this particular incident whereby 
I lost a, a friend to mm. suicide. And I just happened to meet him like just like one, two days before. Just random bumming into him um, at a bus stop. And then we were chatting and he, he was sounding so hopeful. And then suddenly I received this news that he, he committed suicide and he, he, he passed away. I think the initial emotions was very, very intense. There was a lot of denial, cannot be, cannot be. Mm. A lot of anger about like, why is this happening? And b- before, subsequently, of course, the, the, the sadness set in and things like that. Subsequently, what I thought was that, um, you know, uh, although we can't prevent that suicide from happening because um, that person made a decision to want to end their life, but I thought if we could um, care for the person even up to that point in time and we made a difference to that person's life, I think maybe we have added meaning in that last journey of that person and I think that could be good enough. Mm-hmm. At least the person, even though uh, we may not know wh- why he or she chooses a, uh, uh, chooses to to end their life, but perhaps they may have left this world knowing that people care, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, um, they can have meaningful conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I guess also one of the thoughts I have listening to this, I, I felt the same way as Bond, that like conceptually I get it, but I think in reality it's quite hard to accept. Um, but I guess then the thought I had for myself also is then what's the alternative, right? If you don't talk about good enough, then there is actually no end point ma, to yeah. what you can do mm. as a caregiver. And mm. I think that actually places caregivers in a very vulnerable and precarious yeah. situation where in some sense, then nothing that you do will ever be good enough. Yeah, and every bad outcome can become blame yeah. for the caregiver. Mm. I, I don't think that is to then say that as caregivers, we just like throw in the bare minimum. I don't even know mm. whether there's necessarily a line there. But I think mm. it goes back to us continually learning um, how to better give care, but mm. also finding some rest in the fact that I have tried my best up to this point. Mm-hmm. Can it always be better? Probably if I upskill myself or if I learn more. But up to this point, can I touch my heart and say that I have given my best? I, I think can. La. And yeah. perhaps that is good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a journey because you are constantly trying to navigate and figure out um, uh, what is your role and what does that care look like? Mm-hmm. So I think even with this friend... Um, it was a lot of worrying because at some point she also did share, especially when she was spiraling and in a very, very, very bad place, then she would say things like the, um, she would visualize what it's like that sometimes she just wants to like end things. Um, then, you know, she don't need to like struggle with this anymore. Um, so there is a lot of worry. Uh, uh, yeah, worrying not just whether she can um, live like uh, and do her basic uh like go about her day like functioning um you know not just about whether she eats she can eat properly she can um you know go about her school and whatnot but i think then there's also the additional worry of like um oh no if she spiral then how bad will she spiral yeah so i just i think just a lot of worrying and constantly yeah, on high alert uh mm. and trying to figure out and navigating what was that for what was that like for you you know in your own mental health your headspace I think at some point I I did realize that uh her 
influence on me was quite big. For some reason, I remember this scene where I was going home and then I was just going up the escalator and I was just thinking of like what happened and I caught myself spiraling. I caught myself uh, feeling like and having thoughts that I never used to have, thoughts of like avoiding, thoughts of like not wanting to um, confront, thoughts of like just uh, running away, thoughts of just like um, just very negative thoughts that you know this whole thing is helpless and hopeless it's very new to me because I know that in the past I would not really think like that mm. um, while things were there were challenging times in the past but I wouldn't think of like avoiding to such a manner or spiraling to that sense of like helplessness mm. yeah so um, it made me realize that this opened up a whole new world of uh, thoughts and emotions for me that I had to be careful to like not um, fall into it also. Yeah, I really think that that's quite an interesting point. And, and I wonder, like, Jolie, in your experience as a medical social worker, right, do you find that this is something that happens quite a bit? Like, for caregivers getting affected by some mm. of the thought patterns that they're exposed to and things like that? I think the thought patterns that one just shared sounds to me very much like it's at the, at the, at the verge of burning out already. Yeah, mm. so I think burnout is quite a common thing that um, a lot of caregivers may go through and experience, because especially when the when the care has to be like long term and when we cannot really see when is the end point to it. So for for example, like um, if you are caring for someone with mental health or with uh, illnesses like dementia, mm. yeah, that's going to be a long term care with mm. kind of like no end point because it's a lifetime care compared to when. Uh, yeah, just taking care of someone who may have just gone through a knee surgery because you you know that there is an end point to it. Mm. The person will recover from the surgery, will be able to walk again. So and then and then every day you can see that hey, this person is getting better, is progressing, and then this progress can kind of help you feel like oh, it's very very hopeful because this yeah. person is getting better. But when it comes to illnesses like dementia and mental mental health, it can can go on and stretch on for long periods of time. And then throughout mm. this period, there will be a lot of emotions that we will we'll go through. It's like going through some emotional roller coaster like that. And then when it's when it's at your low point, uh, that's when uh you may experience things like what Bonja shared, like, oh I want to avoid, I I I I don't want to face up to it. Yeah, things like that. And this is uh, a what we what we'll term as burnout. Right. Does burnout happen quite often in caregivers? Uh, definitely. I think burnout is really very, very common for a lot of caregivers. Mm-hmm. So let's say we take mental health, for example. When you go through that, you're also going through that person's emotions. So sometimes you do have to handhold them and carry their emotions even with them. And when that goes, when you go through that, sometimes it can get very emotionally exhausted, very emotional draining because of all the emotions that are being involved. Mm-hmm. Let's say the person goes through like times whereby, oh, I just want to withdraw. I don't want to talk to you. And then you, you can get, you, you can get sad also. You can get angry even. You know, different caregivers go through different kinds of emotions. And, or, or let's say the other person who is undergoing through mental health issues may be, um, maybe maybe showing a lot of anger because of their of, of their struggle, and then when when they throw out their anger at you, then you also feel like, hey, I'm trying to care for you. Why why are you doing this to me? Then you you can also get angry too. So when you go through a lot of these emotions, then that's when you start to feel like, ah, I'm really getting so tired. Well, I feel like that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened to me. I was concurrently like journeying with like multiple people through mm-hmm. their mental health struggle. Then eventually, what? tipped me over the edge was like there was this one particular 
um, person who was quite volatile and explosive in her um, struggle with depression. La. So mm-hmm. exactly what you said, law. she will get angry at me and then she will kind of like um, say a lot of hurtful things about how mm-hmm. like I don't really care for her or like um, like very harsh things. La. Like I'm not there and like I'm never there. Then I'm like, huh? I like, keep talking to you. Why you still say like I'm not there? Then when she scold me, I, I wasn't angry at first. I was just very, very sad and hurt. And then mm. I expressed it. And then when I expressed it, I think because she was in a very bad space, she couldn't really objectively understand what I was saying. So she got angry that I was hurt. And then just generally, it was very, very bad. La. So I think being in maybe a few months of like repeated conversations with this person um, and all the conversations were of this dynamic, right? After a while, it just made me come to a place where like, oh my gosh, I, I'm done like, like it tipped me over the edge and I fell into a very, very bad face la, mentally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just think also for caregivers, like a large reason of why we care for those around us, I believe really does come from a place of love. La, because mm-hmm. you love this person, you don't yeah. want them to suffer. Um, it pains you as well, right? When they are suffering. Um, but how do we go about doing it responsibly such that it's not like from one person down, suddenly two people, and then it's just like a tsunami effect on everybody who is in your radius, right? You just all kind of fall together. I don't know. Do you have any tips on that for some of us? Um, as in like how to manage? Like how do caregivers take care of uh, themselves okay. while they give care? I think there are a lot of ways and things that caregivers do need to uh, look out for as they care for people around them who may be suffering from various kind of illnesses. La. So for example, one of the first thing would be self-care. Self-care can mean very, very basic things like, you know, making sure you are having sufficient sleep, making sure you are um, eating well and sleeping well and things like that. So this is these are things that usually I will share with caregivers and I'll usually tell them, you know, in one week, can you at least give one hour out of the entire week whereby you just do something that you like? You know, having for that yourself, space. Huh? Yeah, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Not caring for people, not trying to run errands, nothing like that. Just spending time with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, uh, because sometimes if you ask them to take out a lot of time, I think it's hard because yeah, they yeah. have to take care of someone. But one hour, I think it's, it's the bare minimum. You know, just do something that you enjoy, your hobby, or just go out. You know, take a walk. Something that you can do for yourself. So, this is self-care. Um, and then there are other things that they can look out for. For example, uh, maybe joining caregiver groups. Finding some peer support. Learning from other caregivers' experiences can help them uh, to exchange experiences in terms of how they can um, better care for their, for, for their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and also things like, you know, reading up, you know, educating themselves with knowledge about caregiving. Because I think with additional knowledge, that can help them to maybe be able to care in a more efficient manner, in a more effective manner. Mm-hmm. And also that can help them to be mentally prepared for in terms of, oh, what do I need to, what, what may I need to foresee? in this uh, care journey. So a lot of times when we have that mental preparation, we are more ready for it. When you're more ready for it, so a lot of times it can reduce that, that burning out feeling, that, that exhaustion that people may feel. Whereas compared to, let's say you don't have um, any mental preparation, then things kind of like keep spraying on you, it keep jumping mm, on you. Yeah. And then with all these surprises, uh, it, it can get very, very unpleasant because when it's so sudden, you may feel very lost. You don't know what to do. And yeah. and that and that increases the, the speed of the burning out coming in. I'm quite curious. Do you think there's a difference like 
caring for a family member versus a friend. Because, right, honestly, like, I, I care in the position as a friend. Lah. So, I imagine, like, joining some caregiving support groups, right? Mm. I don't know whether I will... Like, how I really feel about that, you know? Like, if I join, then actually, like, everybody there is, like, family member. Then, like, uh, hello, I'm here to support my friend. Mm. Like, is that weird? Like, I don't know. Is it common? I don't think it's weird because... um. Because people who need carers, they may not always turn to their family members. Because sometimes they feel that, oh, I don't want to burden my family. They may prefer hmm. to turn to friends. Or sometimes they find that, uh, no, I don't want to share, I don't feel comfortable sharing some of these emotions with my family members. So I prefer to share with a friend. So then, then that also means that friends also needs to be supported in taking care of the, the friends around them who may need care. And then, of course, I think between friends and family members, there's definitely a difference. Yeah. Family members, most often, you face with uh, each other 24-7. Friends may have a little bit of a space away. Yeah, so that can be the difference between friends and, and family members. But doesn't mean that, oh, if, if I'm a friend, then I, I don't need any support. Mm. Yeah, because friends also need to be... Uh, aware and knowing how to take care of another person. They need to know that they need to do certain self-checks to make sure that they are still doing okay. They are not they are not exhausted by by taking care of another person. Uh, they still have uh, some time for themselves. Is there actually like such official groups around? I didn't know that there is a yeah. like caregiver support group. Or is like do you mean like they go and find um their own support group? There are quite a number of like caregiver support groups la, around. Um, I mean, uh, MH itself we have. And then, of course, there is this Caregivers Alliance that they also, also take in a lot of caregivers to support them. Mm. Um, I don't think it's limited to only family members. I think if a friend is very, very involved in the care, uh, we are always open to support. Or even, or even in like counselling centres, you know, friends can also go to uh, counsellors to seek counselling. Yeah, I mean, some some professionals, they themselves go and yeah. seek counselling yeah. in the process also because they, they we, we can also get tired. We can get, mm. also get exhausted as well. Mm. And then we need support. And then through this counselling process, we process the emotions, we process what are uh, uh, possible things that we can do in order to be, be, be a better supporter, be not burn out. Actually, one in your journey, right? Like, were there people who supported you as you cared for your friend? Uh, I mean, I didn't know that there's such a <laughs> official support group um, for caregivers. But what I did was I pretty much um, asked around. Mm. Yeah, so I, I asked around my circle of friends um, uh, to meet different people, actually, because I really wanted to understand what is this whole mental health struggles? So I think I asked three different types of people mm. and I actually met them up. So the first one was, um, I went to ask whether there's anyone who have gone through this area of mental health before mm. and is at a better place now. Mm. Yeah, because I wanted to hear from someone who went through it and be able to articulate like how it was because you yeah. really don't, you're not able to really understand unless you go through it. So I thought... Talking to someone like that will give me a better understanding. Um, so that's the first one. Then the second one was um, someone who uh, journey with another person, yeah, who went through mental health. So I I met this person also uh, who cared for his wife, yeah, mm -hmm. and how does that uh, look like? And what are some very very practical handles he could share and real life examples of how he went through? Mm -hmm. um, then the last one was uh, 
uh, I also had this um, uh, friend who works like uh, in this area professionally. So I went to ask this person also. So I, I felt that um, apart from researching online, being able to talk to this three person was very, very, very helpful in my journey because uh, it gave me a holistic understanding. Yeah, and then in terms of, I think, uh, managing for myself, uh, it would look more like um, in my schedule or like when I plan my time, I would carve out time for to make sure that my life is like balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I set aside time to care for this friend and I do know that in that season, there'll be a lot of spontaneous things that might happen because yeah, maybe yeah. suddenly she have an episode mm-hmm. or like um, she needs to call or like if there were very, very bad triggers, then maybe I even need to um, meet her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would make sure that I have um, time for myself, time to hang out mm-hmm. with other friends uh, or sometimes just have fun. Yeah. yeah, because like you kind of need to balance like the amount of heaviness you take in in a week and just being able to not think about anything heavy or like just to be able to cool off and uh yeah relax. Uh, so that was very helpful for me to have a um balance uh happenings yeah mm. in my week kind of thing. Yeah, mm. were there other people who were caring for this friend or was it just you? In the first um say three months at least it was just me yeah because I think she has tried to express before to other people that this was what she was going through but then the person or whoever she expressed to couldn't capture or connect the dots that this is more than just um the usual struggles yeah yeah, that people go through yeah so I think that leaves a bit of uh, guardedness mm. la, towards people. Yeah, then, um, so in the first few months, it, it was just me. But eventually it was, I, I think we we both, uh, myself and her, we both knew that like, it had to go beyond just me. La. She had mm. to open up to more people around her. We, she did have some like, um, good friends around her. <laughs> so we talked about progressively letting some of these friends know. Yeah, yeah and these friends who were in different areas of her life so that mm. when you for example you go to school or you go to um uh hang out with other groups of friends at least there's one person who know mm. um in different areas of her life that's good yeah so we talked about that and then we we progressively let some of these individuals know um so th- we formed kind of like a support circle i mean so it was a very gradual process also of letting different people know so the mm. circle started small like maybe just like two other person Mm. then gradually letting a few others know over the months but not in the same depth yeah so like they just know that okay she goes through this and the way that they can support her um looks a bit different maybe sometimes it's just being there Mm. or like helping her to get food or like um just like studying with her um or just go out and play together yeah Mm. so uh so i think that really helped um, eventually in like being able to join in a community yeah mm. I actually really like what you said about like different friends playing different roles because I think that that's quite a good perspective to have um, personally one of the struggles I I have journeying with people who struggle with this right um, mm. I think sometimes it's navigating expectations mm-hmm. I do find that there are some times where um, like I have a friend who 
who was going through a really bad patch, right? And one of the things that this person struggled to make sense of was like, what to expect of my friends. And mm. I think it might have been because this friend had quite a fixed idea of what support looked like. So um, it's like kind of like a template, right? Like this is what support looks like. So every friend who the person tries to include in this journey is benchmarked against that template. But at the same time, different friends kind of offer different things. There may be some friends who are able to really sit with you and process your thoughts with you. And coming out of that time with that friend, you may feel a bit clearer, lighter, feel like a bit more hopeful, maybe because mm. that friend managed to unpack some things for you. Mm. But there are some friends who really just don't do that. And it is not because they don't care, but maybe their natural tendency is really bring you go eat ice cream, uh, go to your house and mm. like pass you some like snacks when you're feeling like you have no appetite and things like that. And I did see that this particular friend had different kinds of people mm. um, in his or her life, right? But this friend couldn't really see that it was different forms of care. Mm. So the person was often always very um, disappointed la, when let's say a friend only shows up with ice cream but that friend never really asked me more, never tried to process some of my difficulties with me, then that friend doesn't care as much. Which I, I, I told my friend eventually that I think that's a bit unfair because people did go out of their way to kind of like mm. support you and I think support does come in different forms. So... Mm. I think what Buan raised was quite quite a good point. La. It's okay to have a circle and also to even acknowledge that different people in that circle play different roles, which I mm. think is helpful. La. Sometimes I just don't really want to talk. I just want to yeah. eat ice cream, you know, and do something mm. lighthearted and, and it helps to have some friends like that. And I think when you were sharing also then, I was just thinking about the whole like expectations of what your friend can offer you. Mm. Um... I'm sure that, I mean, for for this friend that I journeyed with, she also had to navigate that whole, like, expectation of, like, sometimes it goes in extremes, right? Because it's that sense of, as I am in this struggle, can really anything help me to walk mm. out of it? Mm. But then at the same time, when there is a hope of people journeying with you, then you might find to the other extreme of, I think my friends, you might start to think or, like, place your expectation on your friends that they will be the solution to right. what, will help you out of this struggle. So yeah. it's a bit of an extreme that I think they have to navigate. Um, yeah, so it's like hopelessness versus like placing hope in friends uh, or yeah. like the people yeah, who people will you. Which both ways is quite bit. scary, right? Because yes. there's no real certainty on either end. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that while she had that, she probably also had to navigate that. But what I saw was that there was a good um, balance or in between of she knows that her friends can support her, but they are not her solution. Yeah, mm. so she doesn't expect that the friends can give her all the solution to what she was feeling or help her to solve this in essence. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, but at the same time then, um, learning to uh, balance it also to not go to the other extreme of like, then, you know, shut, no one can yeah, nobody me, can yeah. help me. So, yeah. um Generally, I think she handled that quite well with her friends. Mm. She, uh, like, so throughout the whole process, um, I think it made it a lot more, uh, it was a lot more two ways. I, I think not just with me, but with her friends also that not just expecting that they are able to support her or to love her in a certain way, but she was also very appreciative of them. So she would express that she would thank them. So nice. And if, yeah. like, you know, nobody at that point of time could turn up because really just sometimes nobody can turn up or nobody can respond immediately or nobody can mm. 
in that particular time of the day you are not okay, no way yeah, just no way you can turn up, right? Um uh I think she didn't like she was okay with it. Mm. Yeah, she didn't like um come back and like say that, oh nobody like like where was everyone that I needed then that kind of thing. So uh so I thought that while she probably had to navigate, but I think she managed that like quite well in mm. Um, the way she related with her friends or with me also. Uh, yeah, and the relationship is more two ways and like uh, there were good, uh, I guess, healthy expectations. Yeah. I feel like actually your friend is quite mature. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite hard like, to do yeah. that, especially when you're in a place where everything is crashing, you know? Then still yeah. to be able to say like, even if they can't turn up for me now, it's okay. Like, mm. I still choose to trust that they love me. I think that takes quite a lot of maturity. Uh. Mm. Yeah, so... It, I mean, it probably friend. wasn't easy. Like, I'm sure she had those moments where she felt like she was very reliant. Mm. Which mm. I know that there were times where she's very reliant on me. Mm. And then she come to me and she just expect me to like, so give her the answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then I think, generally speaking... um in the grander scheme and or just like more macro level, um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, right? And and Jolie, you can weigh in also. Like on this topic of expectations, because I think it's unfair to assume that expectations will always be aligned without communication, right? So mm-hmm. I I do think that in this process of caregiving, um, there's room to have conversations with mm. our friends or the person that we're caring for to kind of align some of these expectations and also in the process reassure la, that mm. just because I don't do things in a certain form or in a certain mm. method does not necessarily mean I don't love you, right? Mm. So what would having these conversations be like? I think especially because sometimes um, as the caregiver, right, mm. I may feel a bit hesitant to raise a conversation with my friend who's struggling because it's like you're already clearly having a bad time do I really want to kind of open up a conversation to tell you that sometimes your expectations I feel are a bit too stifling or too you know like how do we go about that process in a healthy way like when I'm working I, I can't always be picking up your calls mm. you know because I, I need to work too so we, we all need a certain level, extent of our own space um, and that is where the boundary lies. But that doesn't mean that if I have all these boundaries, it means that I care for you less or I love you less just because I'm not like someone who immediately responds. I think sometimes there's also the the notion that if I establish a boundary, I put a limit on my love. But yet seeing the extent of the, the value of life, I think it motivates me to want to also love this friend and care for this friend and to mm-hmm. see the value of her life that it is not meant to just stay at where it is but there is a sense of uh, I think hope and possibility of restoration in whatever that looks like.